So if you've been with us this last week on Wednesday or on Saturday, you'll have heard me already mention about the Epiphany on our EWTN show on Wednesday night. We discussed the Epiphany and then we did a talk yesterday that you can find on our YouTube channel that explained, as we mentioned, that <clears throat> an Epiphany is a revelation of God and the Feast of the Epiphany uh, is one of the oldest Christian feasts. And we just celebrated that last Sunday. Actually, it's January 6th, but it was moved to last Sunday. Now, why do I bring that up? Okay, epiphany comes from the Greek word meaning to reveal. So it's God being revealed to man. And so this feast, some call a theophany, means a revelation of our well, of our creator to the created creature, us. Now, I said that the Epiphany had originally been celebrated in four ways. There was the Nativity, the birth of Jesus. There was the Magi, or the visit of the three kings. There was the baptism of our Lord, which we celebrate today. And then there's the wedding feast at Cana. Now, if you were with us, you heard us explain and I'll just recap it real quickly here before we go on to the next point on baptism. And that is, in the West, we have separated those all out. So Christmas, the nativity, has been, as, as for centuries, is December 25th. Then we had the 12 days of Christmas ending with the Epiphany. And the Epiphany for a while was celebrated as the visit of the wise men, the Magi the baptism of our Lord, and the wedding feast of Canaan. Now, why those three things? Because that revealed God to man, who God was. We see in the visit of the Magi, God is revealed to the Gentiles. Uh, we see here in the baptism, the revelation of God as Trinity. Uh, the Father speaks, the Holy Spirit descends upon as a dove, and Jesus is there who he has said is my son. So the Trinity is revealed. Then in the wedding feast at Cana, we have a revelation of Christ as God in the working of a miracle, his divine nature. Now, the reason we bring all that up is because the nativity being split out and the other three were called the epiphany. Again, the Magi visiting the three kings, the baptism of our Lord and the wedding feast at Cana have been separated. And what's unique, they come back to back to back. Last Sunday, we celebrated the wise men and the epiphany. Today, we celebrate the baptism. And you guessed it, what will we celebrate and read in the scriptures next week? The wedding feast at Cana. And so all of this is beautiful. So now, Let's talk today about this. Uh, the baptism is celebrated, as I said, on the Sunday after the Epiphany, and now we begin ordinary time. And so this is important. What now about the baptism do we want to recognize? This is very important. All right, the baptism of Jesus marks the beginning of his public ministry. Just like for us, it marks the beginning of ordinary time. So, baptism here, the Holy Spirit descends and the voice of the Father reveals that Jesus is his son. So as we said, this is really a revelation of the whole Trinity. A lot of people 
you know, we'll say, well, we have one God. This whole concept of the Trinity is um, pagan or whatever they might claim. No, we have one God in three persons. Now, in Israel, this is what's interesting. It wasn't until 30 years of age. You know, you ever wonder why Jesus waited till 30 to begin his public ministry? He lived 33 years on earth, but only three years do we read about in the Bible of any significance? There's a little story about when he was 12 and whatnot. But for the most part, he began his public ministry at 30. That's because in Israel, 30 years of age is when somebody reached full maturity. I think we should kind of look at that today, right? Uh, and therefore, they could become a master. Now, this is interesting because Jesus came of age at age 30 right here according to Israel, and the Spirit consecrated his whole being as the Christ. Jesus is being consecrated. Now, you may have gone through consecration to St. Joseph or 33 days to morning glory, consecration to the Blessed Virgin. This is Christ being consecrated. That's why we do the same. And this is revealed. So this baptism is described in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in fact, do you know that there are only two events in the Bible that almost no scholars argue about as historical fact? The crucifixion. So we have records of that even from Josephus and other secular sources. And the baptism. There's the only two events in Scripture that almost no scholars argue about if they were actually historical fact or not. So this is powerful. Now, our baptism is linked to Jesus' baptism. Please recognize the importance of our baptism. How so? All right. Jesus is revealed as the beloved Son of the Father. Now, when we are baptized, we become sons of the Father. Not natural sons like Jesus, but adopted sons. This is powerful. Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. At our baptism, the entire Trinity descends upon us. The whole Trinity enters our soul when we are baptized. At Jesus' baptism, the heavens were opened. Guess what, everybody? At our baptism, now heaven is open to us. Jesus says, you cannot enter heaven unless you are baptized of water and the Spirit. Hmm. At Jesus' baptism, Jesus prayed. At our baptism, we must pray to avoid future sin, or if we are the godparents and it's an infant, we pray for the child. Godparents, don't take your role lightly. Your role is to bring them up in the faith. All right, now, we talk about John the Baptist here. He is continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Some say he's the last prophet of the Old Testament. Other prophets just announced Jesus from afar. Jack, John actually points him out, literally. Baptizing with the Holy Spirit. This is what John said. He said, I baptize you with just water. 
this guy is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It refers to the baptism that Jesus will institute. They are different. All right. In John's baptism of water and others of the Old Testament, grace was only symbolized. So people say, well, how come John could baptize then? In that case, before Jesus, it was a symbol. Now, in the baptism that John did, okay, he was just by water. It was just a symbol. But now, since Jesus baptized and blessed the waters by being baptized in them, now the baptismal rite of the church not only signifies grace, but it is actually grace itself. It actually is not just a symbol of grace. It actually is the effective cause of grace itself. It's guaranteed grace. The others are just symbols. This is why we need to be baptized in the rite of the church. Baptism confers the first sanctifying grace. And guess what also gift it gives you that you don't have without baptism? The supernatural theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. That comes at baptism. That's why it's important. It also takes away original sin. We got to have that. That's why we baptize infants. Why do you want your child to be going around at 16 years old? Well, I want them to be an adult to make the choice. Well, they're walking around with a huge thing on their soul called original sin. If your little baby messes its diaper, are you going to say, well, I'm going to wait till it's 18 years old to clean his own diaper? This is crazy. As the parent, you clean up that diaper or the baby's just going to lay in it. You don't say I'm going to wait for that baby to grow up to be 18 years old to make the choice if it wants to be clean from that diaper. You're the parent. You say, no, as the parent, I have this responsibility to clean my child. And original sin is that dirt that needs to be cleaned immediately because we're all born with it. Now, personal sin, if there is any, along with all the punishment, is also wiped away. So for adults, maybe, who are baptized. Baptism impresses the character into the soul that allows the other sacraments to happen and allows you to receive grace. It's that important. It's the first of the sacraments. The church fathers, they commented on this. They said that the dove is the symbol of reconciliation between God and man. Kind of like you remember a dove that came after the flood with Noah was the sign that God's punishment would come to an end. So what's God doing? He's sending the Holy Spirit, the dove, to say that the punishment has come to an end. I'm giving you baptism. And just like the waters of Noah where you were reborn, mankind was cleansed, so are we in baptism. A dove at Jesus' baptism symbolizes the peace and reconciliation God wants to bring through the Holy Spirit. Amazing. So to finish, Jesus didn't have to be baptized. He didn't have to be. He did so to bless the waters so that we could be baptized. 
Remember, Jesus isn't constrained by the sacraments. He's above them. But he set it up that we are constrained by the sacraments. And we need to follow them. Praise be to God. They're not rules or regulations. They're gifts of grace. Why wouldn't we want that? He did both things to express his solidarity with fallen man. He blessed the waters. He didn't have to die on the cross. He didn't have to. God could have forgiven us from heaven. God didn't have to be baptized. Jesus didn't have to be baptized. But he did both of these things to show that he's in union with us. He's walking with us. He's setting a good example for us. All right? So please, baptize your children. Again, well, Father, I want them to choose. Well, did your child choose to be an American citizen when they were born? Did you say, well, you know, they were born in Detroit, Michigan, where Chris was, Father Chris, but did he wait till he was 18 years old to determine if I want to be an American citizen? No. The day I was born, I was made an American citizen. And the day you are baptized, you are made a citizen of the family of God. Because of the love and faith of your family. And this is important. So please, baptize your children. Well, wait a minute. They need to choose it. Well, listen to what the Bible says. St. Peter said, quote, this is from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verse 38. Listen to this. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Father, I'm sorry, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children. Hmm. What about this? This is from the apostolic tradition, chapter 21, going all the way back to 215 AD. The apostles' tradition left us in this writing says, quote, baptize first the children. And if they can speak for themselves, let them do so. Otherwise, let their parents or other relatives speak for them. Hmm. That's pretty clear. Do we want to say that the church was wrong from the very beginning by baptizing children? Because that's what she did. It says that in the Bible. So when somebody says to you, have you been saved? I just had that happen to me um, in the airport not too long ago. I'm a priest. I hope I'm, God bless, I hope I'm saved. But they asked, have you been saved? And I appreciate that, people thinking that they're bringing us to Christ. God bless them. I, I think that's wonderful. And I said, yes. I've said this probably dozens of times in my life. Yes, I have been saved. I've been baptized. Because Jesus said to be baptized or to be saved, you have to be born, excuse me, uh, baptized of the water and the spirit. Now, what's funny is you are now an adopted son or daughter. And I don't mean funny in a ha-ha kind of way. I mean funny in a way that we don't get that. We don't seem to understand that. You know, Mark in the gospel, he says, those who believe and are baptized will be saved. 
So if somebody says, have you been saved? You could say, yes, according to the gospel of Mark. I believe, which believe doesn't mean just saying the word Jesus. It means following him and doing his will. And I've been baptized. That's what Mark says you need to do to be saved. Now, this is important, but don't despair. I know some of you grandparents, God bless you. Your hearts are broken because maybe your grandchildren aren't baptized or your children haven't um, baptized their children. Don't despair because we know that God does offer opportunities of baptism, for instance, by desire. So somebody didn't have the official right of the church, which you want to do because that's guaranteed. Don't risk it. But don't despair either because God will give the chance and we pray for those who maybe don't know God or haven't been brought up in the faith that they still will be baptized by desire. That they choose and want when Christ comes to them to say yes. How beautiful is this sacrament, the sacrament that we celebrate today. Now, if somebody says, I don't need baptism, I think a good answer would be, whoa, Jesus did. Now, again, he didn't need it, but he did it. And so should we. Praise be to God for the gift of the sacrament. Praise be to God for the gift of our church. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.